Good morning. I'm glad you could be with me today as we're in God's Word together in the Unfolding the Word ministry. We're in the midst of an extended study of 1 John. I hope it's been profitable for you. We're now in the fourth chapter, and today I want to pick up our reading in verse 9 of chapter 4 of 1 John. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. We're in the midst of a section of 1 John given over to discussing love, but not just any kind of love. There's a number of different words in the Greek that get translated by this specific word love in the English. In this particular case, in this portion of 1 John, every time we encounter the word love as an English translation, it is a translation of the Greek word agape or agapeo. And that particular word means essentially selflessness, self-giving. Uh, the love chapter of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, where it talks about the definitions of love, translates the Greek word agape. It's that type of love that is being discussed. We've already seen that the core example of that sort of love was seen in the Lord Jesus Christ in the cross. In verses 7 and 8, we were reminded that this is the love God wants demonstrated in this world. He wants it demonstrated in the lives of his redeemed children. In fact, it's been a repeated command throughout 1 John, and not only 1 John as we examined. It becomes a key proof, a key demonstration that we've been redeemed, that we are really the children of God. We ended yesterday by talking about the fact that agape is actually part of the very nature of God. It's one of his attributes, one of those characteristics that God has revealed about himself. He's told us that he is light, that he is just, that he is holy, that he is righteous, and so forth. But he's also told us that he is agapeo, love. Today, as we get into verses 9 and 10, we build on this foundation and we learn some other things. Fundamentally, this something we've already seen, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the essential expression of what agape love is all about. People have all kinds of ideas in their mind when they hear the word love, and all kinds of things that they think are loving. But God has left us not in that sort of subjectivity, but in a very objective foundation. He has explained to us what 1 Corinthians 13 means by the word love. Then he has shown us how the Lord Jesus Christ becomes a demonstration of agape love. The best picture of agape love is revolving around the Lord Jesus Christ, beginning with the fact of the Father's love that the Heavenly Father has sent into this world His only begotten Son, His very Son, to die for us. He says, in this the love of God was made manifested among us. God sent His only Son into the world. <laughs> the miracle of Christmas. Remember the fourth chapter began with these words, 
Beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. That's the incarnation. The Word made flesh and dwelt among us. It's what we celebrate at Christmas. What selflessness, the essence of agape, is demonstrated by that very fact that the Father, seeing our hopeless condition, seeing the fact that we were sinners and with nothing we could do to change the stain and the guilt of that sin, would send selflessly his Son into this world to create a payment for our sin. Notice how he puts it in verse 10. In this is love, not that we've loved God, but that he's loved us and that he sent his son into the world for us. <laughs> Therein is agape, self-giving, selfless response. Not a response because of something we've done, but despite something we've done. This is agape at its heart. Not only is agape demonstrated in the Father's response to us in these verses, but also in the Son's response to us. You see, Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh to dwell among us, lived and served God perfectly, lived a perfect life, but then he chose, no one forced him, he chose to go to the cross as the perfect sacrifice for our sin. He didn't go to the cross to pay for his sins, he had no sins, but he chose to go to the cross to pay for ours. That's what this passage means by the word propitiation that he was the atoning sacrifice. He was the one whose life and death paid for the sin that we could not pay for. Remember, that was the point back in the second chapter of 1 John. Let me read verses 1 and 2 to you. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Earlier in the third chapter of 1 John, in verse 16, we read these words, By this we know love, agape is the word here, that he laid down his life for us, and so we ought also to lay down our lives for the brothers. Okay, are you catching the picture? God has repeated it frequently, not only in 1 John, but throughout the scripture. He is reminding us of the centrality of agape love and the fact that agape love is not only defined by the word of God, but expressed in the very act of the giving of his son to die for us and the son going to the cross to die for us. Thus, agape love is all about giving up oneself for others. This reality of agape love was what prompted the incarnation in the first place, the word being made flesh to dwell among us, because of our hopeless condition. This agape love is what prompted the atoning work of Christ on the cross, because in our circumstance there was nothing we could do to pay for sin. But God, sending his Son into this world, created a solution. And Lord Jesus Christ, the very second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, gave his life on the cross for us. This agape love made it possible for you and I to actually live. You and I, who were dead in our sins, could actually live. Notice that's how he put it. He says, God sent his Son into the world so that we might live through him. 
We were dying, hopelessly cut off from God. Now, because of the very love of God expressed through the cross, we can live by repenting and believing in the gospel so that we might live through him. Aren't those beautiful words? I hope they are for you and that you can rest upon them in your relationship with God. So what we're learning in these verses, and really throughout 1 John, is that the incarnation and the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ join with the resurrection as the core of the gospel. Because he came, because he lived, because he died, because he rose again, we who were dead in our sins can now find life in him, all driven by love. Isn't it an amazing thing? I was thinking of how Ephesians chapter 2 puts these things. Listen to these words. Verse 1 in Ephesians 2 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience. And then in verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 2, we pick up these words, But God, being rich in mercy, and because of the great love with which he has loved us, agape is the word there, by the way, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ, because by grace you have been saved. The atoning work of Christ, the sending of Christ into this world, all rooted in agape love all rooted in this selfless, self-giving orientation. And it is this that God is calling for us to be expressing within our lives now that we are his redeemed children. Join me tomorrow as we move on in the verses ahead and begin to discuss the expression of agape in the interpersonal relationships of the local church. God bless.